Hello and welcome to With Lime, your podcast about all things coronavirus and the lockdown, which we're easing out of here now in Australia. I'm your host, Paulie G, and easing out a little bit as well um, in regard to this podcast, down to one a week, I guess, with all the um, restrictions getting lifted and and essentially going back to work with sport back and NRL back, etc., etc. But I'm absolutely delighted to be brought to be um, joined today by Dan Sutic, who has been with us in the past about the contact tracing app, the COVID Safe app. And um, Dan, we've got probably more information now, so I figured um, a good time to sort of bring you on and have have our, our part two, essentially. Yeah, good day. Thanks for having me again, Paulie. Uh, you're welcome, and. I guess we'll start with Australia. Um, in the first few days, three million um, people took up the app, and now we're a month in, and we're up to six point one three million. So not quite the forty percent that um, I guess um, Prime Minister Scott Morrison was looking for, but still quite a high number. But there still are those concerns. I know last time we spoke, you talked a bit about. I guess we didn't use the terminology, but function creep, which is something that's been out there. Um, and this was a bit of a concern that the, the app um, it itself might be safe, but in conjunction using Bluetooth, using other apps, there could be some crossover which could, could cause concern for privacy and security. Yeah, that's correct. And look, just to uh, quickly rehash, it's essentially the, the app on its own. I didn't see any issue with in isolation, but when you expose the data that the app does collect, and you may, you know, create a process around it that calls from another data set. You can put two and two together and, uh, you know, potentially uh, do something a little bit more sinister or something that's not meant to be done with that app alone. So that's that's the, the summary there. And we, we did see it um, be used to effect in Victoria. They um, accessed the coronavirus patients COVID safe app data and then they were able to, I guess, um, use that tracing to, to contact the various people that this uh, patient had come in uh, contact with. So in that case, it worked, um, but that's the only one so far that we've heard where it's actually been uh, utilised so far. But again, Australia not having a great deal of new cases per day, so maybe um, that's part of the reason why only one has actually come come through using this app as, as sort of a good um, outcome, I suppose you could say. Um, Agreed. Some of the other countries that are using these technologies or similar technologies have come under a little bit more, I guess, scrutiny. Um, you've talked a little bit about Singapore. Now, that is a country where everything is, um, I guess, the privacy is a bit less for um, COVID patients because you can go on a website and essentially see where um, these people have been everywhere. Yeah, that's correct. And and I think in light of when this really took off in February in Singapore, the, the website there, whether it was built by the government itself or a third party on behalf of the government, it was in effect a, a, a tracing website. Um, where the uh, government or, or health authorities would report um, certain cases uh, for visibility for, for the community. So the, the information that would be disclosed would literally be just uh, your sex, male or female, uh, your age, 
how it's been determined, whether, uh, you know, you got the virus locally or internationally, or the status would be unknown. Um, there was different color codings, and it was all on a map. So you could see the map of Singapore, uh, you could hover your cursor over um, a, a green dot or a yellow dot or a red dot, I, I do forget the color coding of it. But the intention was just to see uh, almost close to real time the, the, the cases that are there, who has uh, gotten rid or overcome the virus, who currently has it, and where they have been um, around Singapore. So they could say that, you know, case one uh, was in X shopping centre two to three days ago. Just, uh, you know, visibility there. So one could say lack of privacy, one could say complete transparency, but that was up and running uh, around February time. Mm. And in South Korea, interestingly enough, obviously some of this information coming out, but now they're saying that they want to... um revised their guidelines to prevent excessive disclosure of a patient's travel itinerary because of um, people's um, concern among the LGBTQ community that um, maybe they're not um, necessarily um, wanting to have that information public, but they're they're visiting um, places and nightclubs and other other bars that might be considered um, common for members of the LGBTQ community um, to frequent. And now South Korea is saying that that, um, there's a chance or there has been some discrimination against some of these people. And um, they've just got to be careful, not maybe releasing quite as much information. So I guess, again, different countries, different approach, but um, learning all the time um, exactly what information is public and what maybe needs to remain private. Yeah, I I agree with that. And and it's the important word that you just said there, learning. I think the intent clearly was not for that to happen. And I think that has been reinforced by the action of um, uh, whether it's uh, the the particular vendor uh, and or the the government uh, in in collaboration to go, look, I think we need to revise Mm. what is being made public because we do not want uh, any type of discrimination to occur as a uh, byproduct of this because it's not the intention of it. So, um, you know, kudos to them. We had a few issues, I guess, in the early days in regards to the contact tracing app um, actually delivering the information through to the various governments. The UK have um, announced their own app and they're having their own difficulties with um, various people saying, trying to log on and I can't get it working. And the other issue um, with their National Health Service or NHS is that they've had to hire staff to um, call these people that have been, um, I guess, found on the app that oh well you know you were traced to be in contact with someone now, that, that now is test positive to COVID-19 and the pressure around having all these people in these call centres and what you to say and how to, to communicate these things I guess is another aspect to the app that maybe we didn't necessarily talk about on last week uh, the other week's show. No I, well, look I don't think we did but um, you know question for you did I, I think with um I think population, and mm. I don't know if mm. the term outbreak um, or rate of infection is, is appropriate in it, but if we compare um, what's happening here or has happened here in Australia, uh, we really did you know, flatten that curve. Um, in, in the UK, I don't think that was, was, was quite the, right. the, the case. Opened so, very quickly. Um, 
I don't know if I've missed your question there, but um, I, I, I don't know if the, the comparison um, is, um, is apples for apples, if you'd like to say. Probably they have to have a lot more staff because they're still getting a lot more cases and just that training Correct. and retraining would be the, would be the issue. I know um, last time you were on, one of the specific things you talked about was can we trust the government to use this information only for what they're saying they use it for and that's it. Now, we know in the US... It's a different scenario. They didn't necessarily come out and say, oh, this won't be passed on to the police. But we know um, with what's happening and we should say, you know, it's not our place to talk about um, specifics with, with the US, but the fact that our sympathies do go out to George Floyd and his family in this time and, and, and really just the case of wanting to listen to, to everyone, um, I think is very important. But what we've seen in regards to the app specifically is that Minnesota are using the contact tracing, um, uh, I guess, technology that they have to track protesters as demonstrations escalate. So this is a big deal if this was ever to happen in, in Australia. Yeah, I, I think so. And look, I'm just going to uh, read word for word a tweet that was uh, shared on the 31st of May by the official NBC News Twitter account. So it says he, uh, Minnesota Public Safety Commissioner John Harrington says they've begun contact tracing arrests. So who are they associated with? What platforms are they advocating for? Is this organised crime? We're in the yeah. process right now of building that information network. Um, so, so really, um, the, the, the contact tracing was meant to be just for the virus. However, mm -hmm. the law enforcement's ability to track and surveil without a warrant, um, that's, that's that what I was trying to convey that the potential for misuse can potentially outweigh the, the potential uh, positives for contact tracing apps. So I think that's a good example where, uh, what did we call it? The function creep at the start, um, where, where we're really right now, you can see that in action where, yes, it was created for COVID, but guess what? You can expose the data and do a whole lot more with it now in these circumstances. And, and I guess that comes into the questions of what is that what we want our um, governments, our police forces and, and other um, forces in our countries to be able to do, to literally track us everywhere we're going? Oh, Matt, that's the million-dollar question. We, uh, you know, we, we live in such a time now where we are willingly and freely giving up our information on social networks. Um, uh, so, so really tr tracking and tracing, uh, it, it, we're, we're just handing it on a platter to an extent. Mm. Um, that can be correlated. Uh, again, it depends on, on how you access that data and expose that data, create a process around various data sets in order to extrapolate what you're trying to achieve from it. So we live in a realm of plausibility. Uh, nothing is impossible anymore from a technology point of view. I mean, it, it's plausible. And I remember when I first got on this podcast with you, I did say, you know, this, uh, the potential for misuse is, is very plausible. Mm -hmm. And now we've seen an example of it internationally where it's, it's happening. So, um, yeah, I think it's one of those questions we as a society really need to address and i think you know just listen i mean there will be times where it may be required and necessary but then the question of 
our freedoms and liberties and not necessarily being tracked. I mean, on our phones, we've got that geolocator. The privates are tracking us, and by privates, I mean Googles, your Facebooks, etc. But again, that I think has a different mental waiting to it it's like okay i'm doing this you know for whatever reasons tuesday social or whatnot but yeah yeah. um minnesota itself interestingly enough um are now questioning whether this contact tracing is going to be effective especially in the case of um obviously with these protests and a lot of people in close proximity to one another um potentially you know the the waves of of covid19 will um, increase unfortunately in that area and in other areas of the US um, and it may be harder to trace because of the way that everybody has um, um, I guess gathered in yeah so I mean know, does it defeat the purpose that's um, right so so now we're seeing people being caught for doing things but not necessarily the the, the the idea of it, what it was designed for, isn't even coming to fruition because now they're saying, well, it's too hard to use it in the case of trying to say how many people was around this um, positive patient, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And who knows? I mean, it, it could still work, but it could expose other vulnerabilities in terms of uh, an overwhelmed, uh, you know, mm. phone centre or an overwhelmed mm. healthcare system now. Like, it, it's just, yeah, it's it's a very... These pickle over there. These are the cans of worms that are now oh, yeah. starting to open. Um, I guess we bring it back to Australia to, to finish off, Dan. And um, you know, six million people. Um, we're already opening everything up. Could you say the app was a success? Was it a failure, or was it merely just something that was unrequired altogether? Look, hindsight, I think, is brilliant. Um, but knowing that, you know, the curve, fingers crossed, is almost coming to a complete flat line. I think New South Wales achieved a milestone, I, I think, of six or seven days without a new case. Uh, I think as yeah, a well. nation, if we can achieve what New Zealand has, yep. where they've had 12 days as a, as a nation where they've had zero cases, I think that's the yeah. clear end goal. And I think we're so close, like I'm, I'm getting excited about that. Um, did the app achieve what it was meant to? I, I think the jury's out on that one. Was it necessary? I think so. I, I, I think in terms of the government showing that they're doing something in order to help people, like, look, six million isn't a small number. Yeah, that's um, right. That, that, that's that's what over 20% of our population that downloaded. Yeah. And I, I, I know that they were looking for, what, 40%? They didn't get yeah. that. Clearly, um, the trust that the government did instill in us as a whole has paid off. Um, yes, the measures that they put in place in terms of social distancing and everything else in terms of, uh, you know, essential and non-essential businesses, travel and whatnot, that has also worked. The app, I feel as though, was part of that fabric to an extent. Even though on its own, in isolation, maybe not um, had as much impact as potentially thought in the yeah, grouping of everything else. It correct. Again, I, I have to point back to the fact that I think it was, what, a, a month after being released, still no data could be pulled from it or it yeah. wasn't going where it was meant to. No. There were so many technical issues with it mm. in the first place that by the time it was up and running that, you know, really things were, were, were improving anyway. 
Dan Sutich, that's all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining us uh, again and coming back because I think these are important issues that need to be discussed. Glad to be back. Thank you for having me. And um, you have a very good uh, rest of your week. And, of course, I'm your host, Paulie G, and we'll be back again next week with another With Lime podcast. Until then, uh, bye for now.